Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and today it's the WNR 3 2 1. This is the sixth year for the WNR Awards, and for the first time ever, we are splitting them up into NXT, WWE, and AEW. Today it is AEW's turn, and we have the pleasure to be joined by the ultimate one. How you doing, man? You're right. I'm good, man. Good, good. You know, uh, we're going through the same thing you guys are going right now. Now I have real lockdown, but. I know here, I think starting tomorrow, no more indoor dining for two weeks. So, you know, but at least we get to enjoy the wrestling, though. You know, still well, wrestling around, so. you know. Well, this, this is the thing. During the whole COVID pandemic, you know, we, we've had uh, problems not being able to see events and everything like this. And hopefully we can give people some Christmas cheer today by having yes. the Bernards uh, for yeah. AEW. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure you're very excited to be taking part in the WNL Awards this year. Like I say, the sixth annual. Wow, it's six years, huh? So I've been missing the last five. So at least, <laughs> well, AEW wasn't around five years, but it's, it's you know it's, it's going to be fun because uh, I'm sure you have me and you've been doing this uh, for the last is I think all out September. Yes. Then we did full gear, and I, I just love coming to your shows because. Uh, you have the knowledge, the wisdom, you know, and, you know, sometimes we may not agree on certain things, but, hey, that's what makes the show good. Well, yeah. um, maybe today we will disagree on many of things, but like I said, there's 25 awards to hand out later. Before yeah. we do anything, let's just have a retrospective look back at AEW this year, because, like I said, there's been a lot going on. We started off with Bash at the Beach, which is January 15th, 2020. How long ago does that feel like? It was oh the first God. part. <laughs> first of a two-week special event um of course they're in the nasa bahamas and of course aboard the uh, norwegian pearl as part of the chris jericho's rock and wrestling rager at sea and our featured matches were soco uncensored frankie sarian scorpio sky versus kenny omega and adam page for the AEW world tag team championships i mean it's a it's a long time ago it doesn't really feel like this year does it <laughs> yeah listen you're t- i'm like breaking my head as you're saying all the match the matches i'm like who the hell russell there I know, I think Warlow and Cody Rhodes was still feuding at that time. MJF was still, you know, at the Warlow. And I totally forgot that they did the um, Bahamas thing on the boat. Wasn't in the boat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on his cruise ship, and, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that was Jericho. Oh, my God, it's been so long. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, which, it was a good match between them, uh, SCU and um, Omega and Paige. Uh, and that was the start of a, a, a showing of a great tag team between these two guys. Um, I, I can't recall much of that match. I know it was a, a seesaw back and forth. Um, and finally, I think Omega and Paige won the belts. Um, so, I mean, and it showed that what they were made of because they, they had like a, what, six, seven months title ring. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, but then again, we can't count from March to what was the April they opened up again. So, but you know, um, but they were the ones who pretty much um, made sure that any tag team who was trying to move up the rankings, uh, it was not going to be easy for anybody to step in the ring with them um, against uh, Omega and Page. I think we're out there and just trying to think, oh my God, that was this year. It just seemed, it seems so crazy. Mm-hmm. The next, the first paper of the year was AEW Revolution, which was February 29th, 2020. Uh, the opening uh, on the side of the buy-in, we had the Dark Order, 
uh, defeating SoCal and Sensu. We had Jake Hager versus uh, or defeating Dustin Rhodes. Darby oh, Allen. Gosh, def- I remember that. Darby Allen defeating Sammy Guevara. Kenny Omega and, the, uh, and Adam Page defeating the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Uh, the AEW Women's World Championship was on the line. Nyla Rose defeating Chris Statlander. MJF mm-hmm. defeated Cody. That was the kind of end of their feud there. Pack defeating Otty. I couldn't believe that match was this year. Yeah, <laughs> and you know what? And it's crazy because I think um, I think I saw, uh, I think any of my pay, uh, podcasts I mentioned, I think it was last week. Uh, the uh, Pac and Orange Cassidy match was known as the 10 top matches uh, forgotten of this year, and which I think that match pretty much uh, quieted the critics for the Orange Cassidy haters because everybody was just saying, oh, Orange Cassidy is a clown. Why is he there? And this and that. And usually I could watch a match and I mean, it takes a lot for me to act like a mark. And be, you know, going crazy for a match. But that Pac versus Irvin's Cassidy match uh, in Revolution, I think, stole the show for the whole. Uh, besides the um, Young Bucks, Omega, and Page, that was the second best match of the night. The yeah, best one. I, I think without a doubt, you know, like Cassidy going into it, a lot of people were negative, And then him and Pac just put on a hell of a show. Like I said, it's one of these oh, matches yeah. that we forget. That took place this year. The main event of that pay-per-view was John Moxley defeating Chris Jericho for the AEW World Championship. I look back on my rating for that event. It was 9 out of 10. And my match of the night was Bucks versus Omega and yeah. Page. And then after that, of course, COVID happened. And our next AEW event wasn't until the 23rd of May 2020. And that was yeah. double or nothing. Yeah. Um, in the uh, the bottom, we had best friends defeating private party to become the number one contendership for the AEW World Tag, uh, Tag Team Championships. Even Brian Cage defeated Darby Allen, Colt Cabana, Cassidy, Janela, uh, Scorpio Sky, Kip Sabian, Frankie Zarian, Luchasaurus in the Casino Ladder Battle uh, Battle Royal match for the uh, yeah, AEW. That, that's the one that, that Brian Cage nearly killed Darby Allen when he threw him up against the the ladder. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Uh, MJF defeating Little Boy. You had Cody defeating Lance Archer. That was the final for the inaugural AEW TNT Championship. Chris Statlander defeating Penny before. Dustin Rose defeating Sean Spears. Hikaru Shida defeating Nyla Rose. That was a no disqualification, no counter match for the AEW Women's Championship. That was Shida winning the title. She's not. She's held on to it since that point now, isn't she? Mm-hmm. So that was the start of it. And then John Moxley defeating Mr. Brody Lee by technical submission. And in the main event, it was the um, stadium stampede match. Matt Hardy in the elite uh, defeating the inner circle. Uh, my rating was nine. My match was the stadium stampede. Uh, yeah, there was a too. couple of really standout matches in that pay-per-view. I, I, I like the uh, the Sheeta versus Nyla Rose was pretty good. Um, what else? We, uh, and seeing Brian Cage nearly kill Darby Allen was funny to me. And um, the stadium stampede, that was the most, a lot of people hated it because it was like, oh, comedy, whatever. But it was hilarious. I loved it. I love that match. I, I think about that. And I think the Moxley Brody Lee match on the paper. Oh, yes. Well, yeah, exactly. That was a good match also. And that, that was, that was the match that to this day I said, you know what? They should have gave Brody Lee another title shot because in reality, he didn't say I quit. He got choked out, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think, um, didn't uh, Moxley did a paradigm shift on Brody and went right through the stage? I mean, that's the match, right? 
Yeah, last one. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it wasn't bad. It just, I, um, I totally forgot about that match. But I think the one that stand out the most to me from there was the Sheeta versus Nyla Rose and the Stadia Stampede. I think the thing is, as well, looking back, it, it's 2020 has been such a, a strange year because it's, like we said, we had the whole COVID thing. It kind of, the year got split up and all the kind of wrestling that happened before that, not been forgotten about, but there's been so much, it seems, that's happened since that point as well, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, it's funny because we're talking about it and it seems like it was forever. Like, it was like last year. Like, my head hurts right now. <laughs> <laughs> because it's like that it's been that long like and i mean i mean i could look look back to it and i remember having um watching those matches um but um but i can show you that that you know aew didn't um didn't get uh um paranoid because of what was going on with the covid and all that stuff and they just still continue to try to give us um great matches i mean because it I remember when they said that double or nothing was not going to happen because I think that year was going to be in Vegas and they were going to do it at the MGM, but everything got closed down. So I was like, well, there's not going to be no double or nothing. But, they, they, you know, AEW got lucky because they still had the um, the Derby, uh, no, the Daily Place, and they were able to do it outside. You know, they got a roof over their head, so it's not that crazy. So they were able to pull it off, which is one of the, I, I think, besides Revolution this year, I think the one of the best shows was Double or Nothing. I think without a doubt. Um, when we move on to Fighter Fest, which was July 1st, this was, of course, the first of a two-week special featured matches. We had Sheeda versus Penelope Four for the Women's Championship, Cody versus Jake Hager for the TNT title, and Omega and Adam Page versus Best Friends for the Tag Team titles. That was on the 1st of July. The 8th of July edition had Omega and Page versus Private Party. And, of course, uh, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. Um, my rating for that was eight and a half. My match of the night was Orange Cassidy versus Jericho. Uh, because, again, we talk about Orange Cassidy this year having a match against Pac. And then, of course, the feud with Jericho kind of made it into his breakout year, didn't it? Uh, well, I guess because Jericho was trying to put him, put him out there. I mean, but... I didn't like, I, I, to be honest, I didn't like those Jericho Orange Cassidy matches at all. I mean, I, I, I think, I think the best, I think I don't, I think the first one was pretty good. The second one was I, the third one was horrible, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, the Mimosa matches killed it, but anyway, uh, we will, we'll talk about that later. But I, I think what Jericho was trying to do was put Orange Cassidy out there, but he already did that with Pac. When he had that wrestling match with Pac, he, he didn't have to do anything. He won people over just for that match. So, I mean, I understand what Jericho was trying to do because that's what, you know, he's trying to put the younger talent over, even though if they lose to him, whatever. But I felt like, you know, um, he didn't need to do that. I don't think he needed to push Orange Cassidy to that level. I think they could have done a better match. I think the first one, if I recall, I think the first one was better than the second one. I, think I remember saying that. I think the first one was... Uh, that's the one he lost, but it was a better match than the second one. But the storyline running to it was pretty good. I like the whole orange uh, bucket coming down on Jericho. I mean, they they they, they fought and by by the um, by the seating areas. I mean, and it was I like the way they set it up. I just didn't like the matches. I think the matches could should, could have been better, but that, that's just my opinion. 
uh, that. And then the following week after that, we had fight for the fallen, of course, because John Moxley uh, couldn't be a part of the defended against Brian Cage for the AW World Championship there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we move on to Tag Team Appreciation Night, August 12th. Um, we're hosted by the FTR. Special appearances by Arn Anson, Tully Blanchett, Rock and Roll Express, W. Mike Kyoda. We saw Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus Jurassic Express for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. We had mm-hmm. Saturday Night Dynamite, which is August 22nd. Yes. It, this was the first Saturday Night uh, professional wrestling show on Turner Network since the end of WWE Saturday Night in 2000 and of course we had cody versus Brody lee for the awtnt championship there yeah yeah and i remember i remember that clearly uh, uh, it was like i gotta give it to cody for him to take that shot on the head with a broken pieces of the old tnt belt um and the whole dark order i love the way they did that that night and um i love how anna j got involved and choked out brandy they beat up the whole nightmare family it was pretty good, and and it and it felt like a old WCW, uh, 6:05 p.m. back then when when I saw that. Um, but they, I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to do bring it that old school flavor. Um, but it was good. It was good. I I liked it. I liked that episode. It was one of the ones that I could stick on the summertime. I think that's one of the best episodes they had. Nothing about a doubt. And then we move on to September 5th. The first AEW show we did together, of course, was AEW All Out. We had Joey Janela defeating Sir Pentico, uh, Bayern and Private Party defeating the Dark Order. Then on main card, Big Swole defeated Dr. Britt Baker in a two-for-nail match. The Young Bucks defeating Jurassic Express. Uh, Lance Archer won the 21-man Casino Battle Royale. Of course, the winner got a future shot. Matt Hardy defeated Sammy Guevara in a Broken Rules match. Um, Hiroku Shidu defeated Thunder Rosa and Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky and the Natural Nightmares defeated the Dark Order, FTR defeated Kenny Magan Page, Chris Jericho in the Mimosa Mayhem match and oh, the man. main event was John Moxley defeating MJF for the AEW World Championship, of course Moxley was banned from using the paragraph shift, my rating was 8, my match was Shida versus Rosa your score was at seven, and your match was FTR versus Omega and Page. There was a lot going on that pay-per-view. Oh there? my God! I remember that's one of the worst. I mean, that's when we first started doing uh, our review together. Um, that was one of the worst pay-per-views ever, especially that Sammy Guevara and um, Matt Hardy match, where Matt Hardy nearly killed himself, had a concussion, and they still finished the match. Which I'm like, oh God! And I think that, and I said it then and i said it now that, that night was so uh, uh supposedly it was real real hot mucky i mean we had let's not forget how matt seidel fell off the top rope nearly killed himself mm-hmm. um supposedly eddie kingston said he never got eliminated and i mean think about it he never got thrown over the rope um and then the, again the hardy and and, and Guevara match but that's when everything started going down um and I think, but they, you know, you're going to have, the way I look at it is AEW is going to have some bad pay-per-views and they're going to have some good pay-per-view. But I guess we were so disappointed because we always um, sat back and watched these pay-per-views that they had and they always been good. Even the Fighter Fest, even the Fight for the Fallen, which was average this year compared to the year before. Um, but this All Out was one of the, it's, it's like the WrestleMania. And yeah. and pretty much everything went wrong that night. That should have not went wrong. But 
it happens, and you know what? They recuperated from that. But yeah, Olawa is something I don't really want to think about anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll move on to Chris Jericho's 30th anniversary celebration, October 7th, called Celebrating Jericho. We had special appearances from Slash and uh, Ted Irving, Billy Ray, Shaquille O'Neal, Gene Simmons. Uh, a lot, a lot more. We had Brian Cage versus Will Hobbs for the FTW Championship. FTR versus a hybrid two for the World Tag Team Championship. And Brody Lee versus Cody in the dog collar match for the AEW TNT Championship. Oh, my God. That dog collar match. I, I think I was talking to another podcaster uh, how I think um, that dog collar match, the way they put the, the collars around the neck. I never seen that. I mean, I've been watching wrestling for 45 years. I've seen dog collar matches. And that door collar didn't look like door collar. It looked like some uh, um, some regular belt that we use for our pants. And they, but they all they did was just added some type of material. And I think that's where Brody Lee hasn't come back. I think he got hurt because he said mentioned something about the chain. Um, and he hasn't been back since that that wrestling match. It was pretty decent. It, it was a decent match. I think they took they over they overtook bumps that they shouldn't have taken. Uh, but it was pretty good. Um, Again, the dough collar part, they should have done a little better. But um, the match was pretty good. But we haven't seen Brody Lee since um, that match. I don't know if he got hurt because of the chain. Um, he kind of explained it on Unrestricted. Um, but he should be back, though. But, you know, the Jericho thing with the 30th anniversary, I think they should have done it better. Because if you remember, look at what, the, what was the main event that night was Serpentico and Luther against... Yeah. Hager and Jericho. That is not a uh, main event match. I understand that Luther and Jericho, they wrestled back in the days in Japan. Um, Serpentico, again, he's brought in to, you know, to shine on the big spot, which, you know, which is cool. He's been in the best in business for 18 years. I, I don't know who that guy is, but Hager didn't look that well when he was wrestling. And then Luther looked like he was dominating most of the match, which is not believable to begin with. Um, so that was not the greatest way to go out on the 30-year anniversary. Um, I think it could have done better. But, you know, I mean, it was cool to see uh, Hiroshi Tadahashi pop out in, uh, in the, in the uh, video package. It gives us a, a chance, and most likely New Japan will be working with AEW next year. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the hope when we've seen kind of what's happened the rest of the year. But we'll get on to that in a minute because we had the one-year anniversary show October 18th. Uh, we had FTR versus... Championships: Cody versus Cassidy for the TNT title, Sheeta versus Swole for the Women's Championship, and Moxley versus Archer for the AEW uh, World Championship. Mm-hmm. We then move on to AEW Full Gear, November 7th. Serena Deeb defeating Allison K by submission for the NWA Women's Championship, and then Kenny Omega defeating Hangman Page for the um, number one contendership for the AEW title. Orange Cassidy defeating John Silver. Darby Allen defeated Cody Rose for the TNT title. She did defeating uh, Rose for the women's title. Young Bucks defeating FTR for the AW Tag Team Championships. Matt Hardy defeating Sammy Guevara. MJF defeating Chris Jericho. And John Moxley beating Eddie Kingston in an I Quit match for the AW World Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, that was full gear. So. Uh, I like that Moxley and Eddie Kingston match. I think that was one of my favorite matches of the night. That one and the FTR versus Young Bucks. I mean, that was already in the making for like four years. So, um, Serena Deebs was, who she wrestled that night? Uh, Allison K, I think. That's right, yeah, Allison K. That was a great match. 
Um, um, and, and and that was for the NWA belt. Um, and Thunder Rosa Russell that night too, also, right? Yeah. She. Uh, hang on a minute. Let me have a look back at the notes. I don't freaking remember. Did Thunder Rosa came out? I don't remember. Nyla Rose lost to Hirokuro Shida. Oh, okay. So, I mean, those matches were good. Um, Full Gear was a pretty good pay-per-view. Um, there was nothing there that I could complain about. I mean, every match was pretty good. Um, I think the, the Eddie Kingston and, and Moxley was, like, again, one of my favorites. Because they already had wrestled a couple of weeks prior to that. I think they had a title match and... Well, that was that the I quit match, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this yeah. is when we used the barbed wire to um. Yes, yes. Bulldog yeah. choking him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so they already, so that's what made it more interesting because of Eddie and the storyline on that. Eddie claimed he never said I quit. So that was beautiful storyline to me. Um, the Young Bucks and the FTR, of course, that was four years in the making. They they delivered. That's that's the, well, that's what they did in that paper. Well, that was our match of the night, and both of our scores was eight and three quarters uh, out of ten, which is no surprise. Winter is coming. We had MGF and Orange Cassidy um, advance to the final by last, eliminating Wardlow. Of course, the Battle Royal for the Diamond Ring. Chris Jericho defeated Frankie Kazarian. Dr. Britt Baker defeated Layla Hirsch. And Darby Allen Cody Rose with Arnold Anderson defeated Team Taz. Um, via disqualification because we had Sting's debut. The now oh, yeah. 61-year-old made a shocking return, marking his first appearance on TNT in nearly 20 years since the end of WCW. Sting interrupted the tag match, walked to the ring with a signature baseball bat as Limit Dawson in Jacksonville lost their shit. And after staring down <laughs> Arn Anderson, Cody Rose, Darby Allen, Sting exited. Compensated Jim Ross late revealed that Sting has signed a multi-year deal with AEW and will speak for the first time the following week on Dynamite. And of course, Tony Schiavone going, it's Sting, is just goose pump worthy. What were your thoughts on that? Oh, man. I, I, I was a total mark. I'm going to tell you that. I was like, I was so in shock when I saw that. And if, if the emotions I got out of that was like, wow. This guy is back in TNT after almost 20 years. I still remember the last match they had in WCW was Flair and him on the last WCW match. And, man, I was so happy because I'm like, you know what? He should have never won a WWE to begin with. Now he's definitely home. Now, the question is, what is he up to? What, what is his, uh, his whole storyline? What's going to be? But I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing. They have everybody guessing um, because um, if you guys saw um, – the AEW last week, he said something about to the effect, um, I'm not going after you, Cody. Not yet. I don't know what he meant with that, but that leads me to be like, okay, I want to see what's going to happen. See? And that's that's the thing. If you you know a show is good when you have your fans or someone saying, yo, I want to see what's going to happen next week. This is the thing. And the kind of, the, the way they did it, with the kind of snowfall, and it's one of these moments that are going to get remembered in AEW history for, for kind of years to come. And with Sting, it's the most simplistic thing that he did so well in WCW, where he didn't have to do a, a lot. He didn't have to cut a promo, you know, especially when he made his um, his first appearance. Just coming and just staring at him was kind of gave you more, like I said, gave you more excitement than it would be if he came out and said, I'm going after the Dark Order or whatever else. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is true, because if you, if you look when he entered the ring, 
he went straight to R. Anderson. So R. Anderson is a a meaning of the past. They did the same thing to Dustin Rhodes. Then after, so Dustin Rhodes and R. Anderson are his past. And so when he went to Cody, it's the present. So it's like at this present moment, Cody, okay, you're the present moment to start here. Then he went to Darby, which made it great because the way he looked at Darby, looked at the paint sideways, is saying, okay, you're the future. So, I mean, it, I mean, you couldn't get anything better than that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Sting was known when he first started his Crow gimmick. He don't have to say much, like you said. All you got to do is just stand, stand there, stare, look at people, and that tells a whole story. Uh, I, exactly. It was one of the, the, the best things that AEW have done all year, and I was so pleased. But it wasn't over yet because we still had the on the line and Kenny Omega defeating John Moxley uh, with the help, of course, of, of his friends. And then they say Omega's going to make his first appearance as champ on Impact. Um, before we get on to Impact and say what Omega did, what do you think of Omega beating Moxley and the storyline? Kind of, because it's kind of been a year storyline in a way, hasn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. Because um, um, they wrestled full gear last year in a lights out match, unsanctioned. So now it was more of. Moxley, you got to beat Omega on a regular match. Suppose like it, it was a gentleman's uh, match or whatever it was called. Um, but, you know, all the time, I think, um, I mean, it was funny that I seen Don Callis. Um, I think it was when he wrestled Hangman Page of Full Gear. I didn't make much of it because I'm like, okay, he's just there commentating. I love um, Don Callis' commentary. But then for Don Callis to come out of the, the match between Moxley and him, like Omega, in a title match, to actually leave commentary and try to find out if Omega was hurt, whatever. But the storyline on that, it's the way they did it that night. It made it look like Omega was really, really hurt. He hurt himself with the uh, the heaters by the by the ring. And Callis just set him up. Dan Callis, oh, he's hurt. And he just threw the mic on the floor. Ones, uh, I think, um, Moxley hit him. And from there, I think, I mean, it, it was great, great planning. I loved it. Listen, I think me and you spoke about this when we did the uh, AEW All Out. We were talking about the cleaner. This was a b- great way for him to say the cleaner is back for good. I mean, he did the cleaner th- stuff before he beat uh, Hatman Page and then before he got his title match. You already knew it was coming because, you know, his introduction with the broomstick, whatever. But this was his, uh, uh, how do you say that? His official cleaner part. I'm back. I'm the old yeah. guy from New Japan. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And that night, I mean, it can't be prettier than that. I think without a doubt. And then we see uh, on impact Kenny Omega and Don Callis there for the interview with Josh Matthews. And had saying, how long has this idea for the AEW and Impact Alliance be, uh, began? Don Callis takes Matthews down memory lane. describes how he first met Kenny nine years old through his uncle, the Golden Sheik. Callis wants the fans to know he's always been by Omega's side, even when he was successfully gaining championships in New Japan. He says everything he's done was part of the plan. He wants to set their history books right. He wants the world to see what a true champion looked like. Um, Matthews said that as Omega Tarnished Championship by doing what he did to John Moxley, but Omega said as long as he's the AW World Champion, there's plenty of time to travel as well to collect more things, other promotions, championships. He said he doesn't want to spoil anything and there's going to be a big announcement 
dynamite um but the thing is the impact and uh, aew having this kind of work relationship as we've seen with nwa this is the thing you know you you can't beat the juggernaut which is wwe but you can make this kind of worldwide kind of wrestling thing going on with everybody working together it because it's gonna it's such a great idea i mean what are your thoughts on everything that's been going on with it uh i mean when uh I saw his interview in Impact, and he mentioned the comic book thing, collecting comic books. Um, even though, um, I mean, the first guy to ever been called the, the belt collector was Austin Arias, but he was winning, um, I mean, he had the Impact World title, then he was winning, uh, I think that DIY, whatever it was, uh, Federation. He was winning feather, uh, belts from outside of the United States. Um, but Omega, once he mentioned comic book, you and he's a big comic book fan. He's into gaming. Uh, you got to think of the Infinity Gauntlet, like the movie Thanos, because that's what he's doing now. I mean, and uh, the whole the the way they did the interview where he explained that uh, pretty much was Don Callis the plan, what they did, the whole thing about New Japan, him being a commentator, um, um, Omega winning the uh, the IWGP belt. It's beautiful because it's like, well, wow, these guys had this plan for a long time, right? And then he mentions the comic book parts, and now I'm getting the whole thing, what they're going to plan to do. And right now, as of last night, uh, as of last night, I know Omega was in final resolution last night. Um, and if you think about it, his Infinity Gauntlet, should we call it? Because I'm going to call that Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos style. He already has two belts. He has the AEW world title, uh, world title, and now he got the. He's been having the, the the mega champion from AAA, and he just defended against Laredo Kid. So he has two belts. Now he's eyeing, uh, Rich Swan for the Impact World Title. I see this, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna predict something real quick here. I see this has happened, and I told this to my friend. I see him going to Ring of Honor, probably winning the belt there. I um, see him beating Nick Aldis for the NWA World Title. I see him going to MLW somehow, some way, beating Joseph Fatu for the MLW belt. And the last stop will be New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, and the reason I say that is because uh, in January 4th, Naido is defending the belt against uh, Ibushi. Right? I have Ibushi winning that belt, both belts, the Intercontinental IWGP, and then defending against Jay White the next night. So, Ibushi gonna be the, the you know how Thanos got all the, uh, the 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 emeralds whatever it was, the last one is gonna be Ibushi and they're gonna ha- probably have by then New Japan already has a, a working relationship with AEW, and it's gonna be uh, Thanos like Kenny Omega versus Ibushi for the New Japan Pro Wrestling belts and Omega won't be able to get it. That that's that's my prediction. But this whole that's- story that whole story that the AEW is doing with Impact. It's beautiful. I mean, Tony Khan said this. The shift of power is going to shift, and it's happening. Well, I tell you what, if they do the Phallus thing, then they can just take all my money. Do you know what I mean? Because that sounds like <laughs> one of the coolest, coolest ideas. 
Let's yeah. just hope they can work together without any kind of egos getting involved and do what's best because this is what we're going to see, like competition. And if it's happening on Impact or AEW or, or anywhere else, it's going to breed excitement. And it's something different. It's something that WWE will never do. And it's another little thing that WCW used to do kind of back in the day. We talk about the similarities between AEW and WCW. Either it will be like doing a show on a Saturday night or even a working relationship with like a, a New Japan or something like this. These are the oh. things that they can do to, I think, to make it work. Uh, uh, thoughts about AEW in 2020 like I said it's been a tough year but we've had a look back on the year uh, and how do you think it's gone for them uh, I mean even though they had the, the, they had to shut down a little bit um, overall I mean there was a lot of podcasters out there that said that um, oh AEW is not going to last uh, they're going to they, you know the nostalgia in the beginning is going to be alright and then by the next this time next year it's gonna be dull. Well, I'm sorry to be, uh, you know, the, to break the news, but I said it before that the whole roster from AEW from last year was gonna be way different this year because there was so many at that time, so many um, stars out there that their contract was coming up, and Tony Khan is not a fool. He's not gonna stand around and wait to WWE snatch somebody. They were able to snatch Carrion uh, Cross. Or, you know, um, which I wanted him to come to AEW, but look, look at all the guys that they picked up. They picked up Ryan Case, they picked up Lance Archer, um, Eddie Kingston. I mean, they even brought guys from the indie scene to come in and wrestle Cody. I mean, overall, man, you, I mean, and then in the, in the year's not over yet. We still got how many more weeks of, of we still got three more weeks of AEW Dynamite. You don't know. What's going to be the ending of all this? I mean, we're looking at Kenny Omega right now as the world champion and now doing some Infinity Gauntlet type of style of storyline where he's going out there for every belt and every promotion. You know, um, listen, like you said, take my money. I'll go and listen. I don't care. I'll buy whatever I have to do because I want to see this happen. And Tony Khan was not lying when he said this, there's going to be a shift and this is the shift. I think this is, I mean, think about it. 995,000 people saw Dynamite this week, okay? And this week's Dynamite was not better than last week, okay? And we're talking about close to a million. So imagine if uh, AEW decides, well, we're not doing Wednesday nights no more. We're going to go Thursday, you know? What is WWE going to counter them? They're going to move NXT to Wednesday? And if you see that, you know that's a that's you know that's a desperate attempt. I mean, they are doing a desperate attempt. But if they move to Thursdays, then they're not moving to Tuesday because that's impact. But if they move to Thursday, uh, what we could see is them getting almost a million and a half of viewers. That could happen. I mean, if if AEW smart and Tony Khan smart and say, okay, you know, we're tired of NXT trying to beat us, which they never hardly do. We're gonna move to Thursday. So now, what is WWE going to be able to? They're going to get. They're going to be able to compete with Raw. I don't know about SmackDown because SmackDown's still putting two million million viewers on Friday on a two-hour show. But listen, whatever they're doing right now, as far as AEW, keep doing it. I think the only thing they need to fix is the women's division. They still got to need to work on that. Um, and try not to. One thing I don't like is celebrities coming in into professional wrestling. This shack with uh, Jada Carhill, whatever, we don't need that. We don't need that. No. 
and, and, you know, that could be, I mean, you could do that in dark. Put that in dark. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but, I mean, if WWE does it, they're trying to do, I guess, it's for media exposure and trying to get, you know, some type of clout. But they really don't need it. They're doing very well. Well, I think the thing is, like I said, you made some excellent points there. The, the women's division is is the kind of big problem that they've got. And, of course, Sheila's been champion since May. She will need new challenges. But hopefully if Impact and, like I said, NWA can work together and actually add to the women's division there in that part. You look at the tag team. It's, it's been the best in wrestling this year. Now you've got the Young Bucks primed and ready to go on. Darby Allen as a TNT champion. The new guy as a new blood, so to speak. Orange Cassidy is taking leaps and bounds this year. And of course, you end the year with the debut of Sting, which brings interest, hopefully, to elevate other talent. One thing I would say to AEW is winning the ratings and everything like that is fine. But I think we saw it with WCW as well. Sometimes you can get a bit too rating orientated. Focus on your show. If you're delivering the best show, if you're delivering the excitement that a Nitro did in 1997 when you weren't sure what was going on, and like you said, there's three more dynamites. Who knows? That's what they need to continue and worry about themselves rather than kind of, like I said, counter-programming or anything else like this. I think AEW will continue to be a success. They've got the fan base, and like you said, they just kind of need to grow. And at the moment, they've got a, a fantastic base down now to go right in 2021 we can go from here i mean the AEW game you know coming out next year is going to be massive as well so there's so many kind of positives and a few negatives that they'll still need to work on i think that'd be fair to say wouldn't you yeah that's true but you know what i'm saying but but and this is what i think tony khan you could tell he's a big big wrestling fan because he wants to not only help AEW, he wants to help other promotion which is good because if you think about it if you have a like right now i'm sure the impact had a high rating this week the past because they're averaging like 150,000 they're not averaging a lot especially with the channel where they at but if you decide that look i we want to work with every promotion you know we're not going to do what wwe did like what wwe decided oh we're going to work with promotion they ended up closing down evolve you know and once they saw that Omega and Moxley match and what happened, and they announced that it, Kenny Omega was going to be an impact, and now all of a sudden WWE talking about we're willing to work with other promotions. Listen, um, the problem is when you want to work with other promotions, but now you go and shut them down and you take the video library for your own personal view. Tony Khan is not looking at that. Tony Khan is trying to share the pie with everybody. He figures, well, you know what? We'll work with you. Well, I help you, and, and and you help us by exchanging talent. Listen, and, and I put this on my podcast last week, and, and I said that I think what Tony Khan is trying to do is bring back that territory concept where back in the days, a promoter could make a deal with another promoter. Say, look, bring your champion in, and we'll have him wrestle our, either our world champion or the secondary championship. And it's good because everybody grows. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's making money. And the fans will love it. You know? And not only that, if that happens, and if it was, I, I don't know, I see it happening because it's going to be so much competition with all the, like, MLW, NWA, Impact. Everybody's going to be competing with each other, but at the same time, they're going to be sharing all this talent. WWE is going to have to look back and say, well, you know what? We're in trouble because now because of AEW and Tony Khan is a big big wrestling fan and he's not looking to to squash any promotion he's looking to listen if you guys got a young talent that's making the name for himself 
We'll work with you. We'll showcase them while we show, and we could have a talent switch back and forth. I mean, yeah, I it's, it's the best way to do it. I think without doubt, you know, that's what we said. If we look at 2020, how it's been and what we want for 2021, it is definitely there for us now. All right. But now it is time, like I say, to move on to the sixth annual WNR Awards. Now, by my account, there are 25 awards to be handed out. Uh, so basically what I'm going to do, I'm going to try and do them uh, as best I can. We're going to start off our first award that we're going to hand out is the Johnny Gagano Award for most punishment taken in a Ooh. match. Now, now, this was awarded for the first time uh, a couple of years ago to Johnny Gagano, of course, because of his NXT TakeOver match when he was with DIY against the Authors of Pain. Not only did he take a hell of a punishment in that one, then Tommaso Ciampa turned on him and left him laying. Uh, so we thought that would be better to do now. Uh, I'll start us off, and the award for Johnny Gagano, award for most punishment taken in the match, in my eyes, is Darby Allen at double or nothing in the Casino Battle Royale. Uh, just a quick <laughs> note, Darby <laughs> Allen. Yes, yes, yes. I will agree with that. Didn't he do some skateboarding stuff and nearly kill himself? Well, here I we go. This, this is literally what he did, right? So Darby Allen entered at number four and immediately wiped out Sabin and Havoc with a Tope Suicida. He leveled Kazarian next and dove off the tallest ladder with his skateboard, looking to eliminate the veteran competitor for good. <laughs> Instead, he crashed with a ladder, injuring his knees and shins in the process. But don't worry, because he returned to the fray and delivered a sunset flip bomb to Luchasaurus. He struggled to set up the ladder, obviously because of his knee. And then Alan watched as Taz introduced a deputy Brian Cage and the former Impact Wrestling World Champion manhandled Alan. Cage delivered a nasty powerbomb into a ladder and scaled it. Alan interrupted, but Cage dropped him with the drill claw. Taz reappeared, seemingly directing Cage's attack on Allen, who did not listen to the former ECW's champion advice in the weeks leading to the event. Cage retrieved a poker chip after taking out Darby Allen, thus earning the AEW World title uh, opportunity and giving Darby Allen the Johnny Gagano Award for most punishment. Yeah, I, oh, I agree with that because this guy, he takes, oh my God. There, there, there's sometimes I watch his matches and I'm like, do you really have to do that? Like, that bump he took with the skateboard and cracked his knees and shins. And then that, that, that it was like, uh, uh like he threw the, let's not forget, um, that Brian Cage is not, that wasn't the first time he, um, uh, did something crazy to him because there was another incident when he put him in a body bag and he flung, flung them to the stage. Remember that patch? It was, I Yikes. don't know what he flung them to the stage. He was in a body bag. So, yeah, I, I think yeah, he gets the Johnny Gargano award for me because, oh, my God. I mean, I say Orange Cassidy's another guy who takes a lot of punishment and then he makes his little, you know, uh, baby face comeback. But nobody's like Darby. Darby gets it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, so the next award is the tweet of the year. So quite quite a simple one. For me this year, it's Omega replying to a year uh, to a loss a year ago and basically on the 11th of november 2019 you put i lost and doctors won't clean me for tv the problem is that you left me alive and i'll be back i win hashtag aw full gear and then further december 2020 he tweeted it feels good to be alive after you beat moxley for the aw world championship yeah yeah this, i i agree with that one yeah he definitely gets that because again um aew um and i'm sure omega Figure like, listen, you know what? This is a one year's already one year that we had the uh, 
the non-sanctioned match. And it's, I mean, it's great. I mean, I mean that is, yeah, he gets the tweet of the year right, to me. I mean, because a lot of AEW guys don't really tweet. MJF is one guy that he gets on tweets and he's dissing everybody, um, mostly um, WWE guys. But I think that the Omega, it pretty much again tells a story. I like when wrestlers do that. They tweet and they talk about a story that happened a year ago, whatever. So you look forward to it. Like, okay, he just tweeted. This is getting serious. You know, um, yeah, he gets that from me. Right. Uh, right. So the next award is going to be, well, there's two now. It's Internet's Most Love Can Do No Wrong and Internet's Most Hated Can Do No Right. Oh, I got Internet Most Hated is MJF. He's the most hated guy. The people just can't stand him. I mean, he's being... He's been compared to um uh, to the Miz, and he just he just trolls the Miz all the time, and, and you know, and, it, and to me, I mean, he stays on kayfabe. This guy, he gets, I mean, he gets on Twitter, he gets on on Instagram, Facebook, and he, no matter what, how much you like him, even if he's a heel, he stays uh, to his script. He does that old. That's that old school kayfabe. 1980 stuff when wrestlers used to do that they would not travel together in the same car because there was you know they 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 wanted to stick on that kayfabe you know he's a bad guy he's a rule breaker rule breakers hang out with rule breaker uh mjf he he does that he stays he stays on that kayfabe so um internet most love Uh, most love cody rose i guess Cody, 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 and no matter what he does, uh, even after the, the guy who was even um, accusing him of treating him like shit, you know, whatever, and they still, they backed him up on that. So no matter what, he can't do no wrong. Cody does, cannot do no wrong. Well, I, I had another way of thinking, and this is probably going to, might start a few arguments, but what I've learned is I do, we do polls on the WNR every kind of week about show AEW or NXT and AEW has kind of won the majority even when NXT is kind of delivered so I'm going to say internet's most love can do no wrong at the moment is actually AEW itself Mm. Uh, and and the most hated can do no right is actually Vince McMahon because if you go on Twitter and you look at the people even from WWE or Mm. AEW just kind of uh, hating on Vince, just like they did with the you know the third party um, streamers, you know with Twitch and everything like that early in the year. Vince McMahon was absolutely slated for it, even though it's probably just company guidelines and stuff like this. Whereas AEW can seemingly they could do anything, even the women's division, which has been a problem now for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like Omega and, and all these, you know, even us saying it now, you will go on Twitter and people go, no, the women's division's as good as NXT or WWE, even though it's not. And I don't know if it's a case of AEW still being a kind of newish company and people being very defensive of it, like they are with WWE, there's no doubt. But it seems with WWE, even WWE fans, Vince McMahon seems to get a lot of stick. Yeah, yeah, he does. I mean, um, well, because of what he did with the uh, whole twist and YouTube stuff. I mean, he just feels, feels like, oh, these guys are making money, so why not be part of it? Maybe let me get my hands on my, you know, my dirty hands into the money. Um, yeah, I mean, every time McMahon gets on online, he no matter what he says, he gets he gets burned online. AEW, I mean, but you know, you think about it, a lot of what AEW is because they still have that tag of still new. That's the tag. They still new, even though it's a year. To every wrestling fans. 
who loves professional wrestling looks at AEW still new. So, of course, you know, they're going to be like, well, give them a chance. This and this and that. You know, and I mean, in a way, I agree with what you're saying. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Because, like I said, there's, there's no problems defending something that you enjoy. But, you know, you, you can critique every now and again maybe we'll see this changing in the next year or so uh the next award we're going to hand out is the promo of the year either uh, a, a particular promo itself or someone who's delivered just the best promos in aew you know you know what i'm gonna tell you right it's gonna be eddie kingston eddie kingston is the man when it comes to promos i mean you have had mjf do some nice promos um let me see what i can think of right now from my top of my head um, this uh, Chris Jericho does some good promos also, but right now, to me, it's Eddie Kingston. Nobody can top Eddie Kingston in AEW when it comes to promo. The guy could do a promo about a cookie. This guy's off the off the chambers. Well, you'll be happy to know that my promo is Eddie Kingston, yeah. uh, and and especially the build up with Moxley towards the title match when he's saying you know everything about bringing their mother into it, and it's just so kind of emotional. Uh, and I'd like to say, I don't think there's anybody in AEW at this moment in time that can on the microphone. Nah, nobody. I don't think nobody can top him. I mean, if you think about it, when he first came and challenged Cody Rhodes, I mean, that promo, where he talked about, you know, how he's struggling, what he had to do, and this and this and that, right there, it, the minute he opened his mouth, now, if he, whether you was an Eddie Kingston fan or not, now you want you invested yourself into wanting to see that match. You know what I'm saying? And he did the same thing with Moxley. And Moxley and him go way back. That was beautiful. When they did the, I think there was a signing where Moxley was talking about his mother. That was deep. That was a deep promo. You know, and, and I'm sure Eddie Kingston had a lot to do with it. And Eddie Kingston's the man. Nobody can top him right now in AEW. I think without a doubt. All right, our next award is, is something... Uh, that has been around for the past a couple of years. And obviously, this is uh, a well-known award in professional wrestling. When you look back at the decades and decades, but I think AEW is doing it maybe better than any promotion at the moment. And that is Manager of the Year. Mm. Let's see. I'm going to say Tully Blanchard right now. Tully Blanchard, because of what he brings to the table, um, he gets involved in uh, FTR uh, matches like the like the managers used to do back then and what he brings that old school mentality with the uh with ftr i mean uh second behind him uh hmm, i could say either our answer jake the snake roberts but you know um i think they still got to prove to me what they're doing jake the snake robert i like because jake the snake robert is the mouthpiece of lance archer and he's he's a great manager because he's the mouthpiece and he's just be coming on with some crazy wild promos himself. But I say Tully Blanche is the manager of the year. Well, like I said, there's so many to choose from. I've got to say my manager of the year is Taz. And Taz has come back to AEW. I would say come back, has, has you know, entered AEW. Uh, maybe, you know, he wasn't doing a lot at a particular time. But as we've seen with uh, Brian Cage and, of course, uh, Will Hobbs now and... Um, the, the whole kind of team Taz that is from the inner circle where we look at maybe six months ago I would say maybe team Taz is at the forefront especially with Sting's return uh, and him being involved there I think as a manager he's going to bring something to Hobbs that I think Hobbs will need and of course he can be the mouthpiece to you know Cage is 
one of the most impressive looking human beings ever. But Taz and the mic and the way his cadence, the way he can do it, the way he's confident, I think for me at the moment, Taz is helping his guys out more than maybe others are. It's like to say, Jake Snake's fantastic on the mic, but Arch is kind of, uh, I don't want to say stepped away, but he's you know, not been really featured a lot. I think Taz will have two or three segments at Dynamite and they know they can give it to him and get the job done. I mean, he's a, he Taz, Taz definitely is a good mouthpiece because, you know, uh, Brian Cage is not great on promos. Ricky Starks, in other words, that guy is like the mini rock. I mean, I love his whole gimmick. Uh, but yeah, t- here's the problem I have because of Taz. What he, I mean, he brings the promo. He's pretty good. He, he has a lot of knowledge. But uh, and it's not his fault. But AEW is not really pushing his team like they're supposed to. I mean, I think that's the only thing I'm, I'm not happy about when it comes to Team Taz. The fact they still haven't given the, the FTW belt some type of legitimacy. Um, I mean, even though Taz is a spokesperson, you still got Ricky Starks in there. They could talk on his own. But um, and that's the only the only thing I have to bad to say about Team Taz is that they're not pushing them like they're supposed to. You know, I think it could be with Brian Cage in there. I mean, they should be pushing them much higher than they, what they push in, let's say, Dark Order right now. Because Dark Order right now, if you think about it, they they up there. And they, if you watch BT, they're more comedic, whatever, because, you know, Brody Lee is not there. But I think Ta- Team Taz should be higher. And, yes, you know, he's great in the mic and the mouthpiece. Um, but I think you need to put a title on one of those guys, and I think, in my opinion, for Taz to be there as one of the top managers. That's just my opinion. And, uh, and this is what's great, is the fact that we can have a kind of civilised debate about it and try and work out what areas someone needs to work on and other these type of things as well. Mm-hmm. Another award we're going to give out now is the commentator of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. AEW has had some great commentators on it this past year. We just talked about Taz now, and of course, Don Callis as well. Who would you say is your number one commentator on AEW at this moment in time? Um, Tony Schiavone don't get a lot of credit for what he does. Jim Ross, Jim Ross right now, I mean, right now there's a lot of wrestlers right now are angry with him right now because he gets on the mic and he kind of criticizes uh, on the what they're doing and he puts it out there in the public, which he should, should not be doing that. should be doing it behind the scenes. Um, I go with... Uh, Escalab is a good guy. He's good at the commentating. He knows a lot. Uh, but let's not forget, Eddie Kingston has done some commentating. He's great at the mic also. Um, I say Tony Schiavone. I think Tony Schiavone doesn't get enough credit. Um, and he's real good at, at the mic. Excalibur is a, a close second to me because of his knowledge. But Jim Rose right now, sometimes he gets lost. So I'm going with Tony Schiavone. Jim Ross sometimes sounds like uh, like either a dad or an uncle watching wrestling, <laughs> and would and you know what I mean. And occasionally, yeah. like, oh, I'd like to take her out for ice cream. And you're going, yes. what's that? What, what do you mean, Jr.? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds it sounds pedophile-ish. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you're never sure. And I think with Tony Schiavone, the his voice, and, and I think for me in history, you know, of course, you know, people go Jr. and the King, you know, comedy. Uh, personally, you know, when it was Bobby Heenan, Tony Schiavone and Dusty Rose, I used to love the, how those three yes. used to interact. 
mm-hmm. I think with Tony Schiavone, he doesn't get the credit for making a kind of team gel the way it does, and his voice himself. And and what I do really appreciate, and yes, he did appear on TNA back in you know, 2002, 2003, but he never kind of made the jump and you know became the voice of another company. And I think to do it with AEW, I think while we look back and have so many similarities from WCW is in fact because of Tony Schiavone and the kind of what he brings to it. And I don't think the Sting, you know, debut was fantastic. And I think it made it extra special because Tony was on commentary, you know? Yeah, yes, because uh, just him saying Sting real loud, I was like, wow. It's, and, you know, commentating is very important when it comes to a debut. And like you said, Schiavone's been around forever, you know? And just for him saying Sting made it more special. Jim Ross looks sometimes like he's lost, you know, and he just be making uh, same things like you said out of nowhere. You'd be like, well, what the hell are you talking about? Sometimes he misses, <laughs> he misses, messes up the guy's name, uh, or he's talking about something else. Or sometimes he slip out and say something about WWE, and you'd be like, you know, what, what the hell's going on? But we're lucky enough to have Shivani. And Excalibur there that keeps the whole commentary team, um, you know, focused. You know, even when Taz is in there, because Taz is great. I love Taz when he does commentating. Um, and Taz don't get a lot of credit when it comes to commentary. Um, I think with Shivani being there, he's the. I think he's the uh, the anchor, like the guy who makes sure that the commentary is run perfectly, but he doesn't get enough credit. Well, that's why he's won the award for commentator of yes. the year here on the WNR Awards. Our next one is is pretty, I think, probably one of the easiest ones that I've done. It's the comeback or return of the year in AEW. Mm. I mean, it's I say Pac. Pac. Right. Pac is because when Pac showed up, it's like you thought about it at that time. And I said to myself, well... I know because of the fl- flying restrictions and to the UK and America, I mean, I would love Pac to come back and be part of the death triangle because I mean, I figured it was going to lead to that Pac returning because of the, you know, the pandemic and all that. You don't know who could come, who could go. When Pac came back, that was the best thing I seen in a long time, you know? Um, and, and in the way they did it, they did it perfectly, you know? And then the following week they had the, the wrestling match or whatever. But Park to me was the comeback of the year. I think I'm going to go for the easy out and say Sting returning to TNT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In AEW. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm thinking like, okay, but Sting, yeah, you, you got me. Yeah, Sting gets it. <laughs> it's yeah, the easy I one. I act like a mark. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So our next two awards, we've got holy shit good and holy shit bad. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff good and bad this year uh i think i'll start with holy shit bad and i've got to say it's it's the matt hardy i mean there's a lot of stuff but the matt hardy injury i Yo, think it's got to be the worst it, yes um, it, it was the worst it was the worst we were sitting there enjoying watching aw all out during the, you know the broken rules match and uh, they were supposed to go through hardy and Guevara a pair of tables after jumping off a scissor lift of course hardy overshot it and hit his head on the concrete floor. The, oh the match was initially God. called off. We didn't know what was going on. 
Um, and then Harley appeared unsteady and unable to stand, but he and Guevara went back to the stage and climbed the scaffolding where Guevara jumped off himself for Harley to win. Uh, this was a moment I remember speaking to about at the time about how serious it was because we weren't sure what the hell was going on, you know. Oh, my God. When I saw that and when he jumped, when he lifted off that, the, that spot and how he landed, I'm like, oh, my God, he missed the whole table. Because his head hit the, some, the concrete right away. I mean, he overshot it bad. And I'm like, and then when he tried to get up and he couldn't get, actually, you could tell he had a concussion. Because he kind of tried to get up, but he was still stiff. And I'm like, oh, my God, he, this guy, is, he's probably dead or something. Because, I mean, it was bad. And I was like, oh, my God. And then the fact that they even restarted the match. When the man, they say, oh, the doctor said he was good after a minute. What? He had a concussion. And the fact that they uh, they allowed this to continue for Sammy then to throw himself off uh, 20, 20, 20 feet off a, a, of a scaffold, whatever it was, uh, that, that was bad, dude. I was like, oh, my God. And it wasn't just the kind of injury and the kind of not stopping the match and continuing it. And it was all the thing that happened afterwards with Tony Khan saying, no, he didn't have a concussion. Uh, about Harley's family saying they did and this kind of didn't really have a proper procedure in place and obviously they've sorted it out now hopefully so if this ever happens again then they can deal with it but it was just probably the worst moment of the year for AEW but see it goes to show you that um, uh, Tony Khan I remember before or after this happened uh, I think after it or before this happened they were used to ask Tony Khan oh you give you give your guys too much um, freedom for creativity he said no 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 I don't I don't uh, when that happened, that goes to show you that's exactly that what what happens at AEW. You leave the, the you know okay you got Matt Hardy, he the guy's been in the business for 20 years whatever it's been, and if he comes with an idea you're gonna be like oh sure yeah I just I would approve it, but I mean throwing yourself from that first of all you're throwing yourself up from a high place over 20 25 feet with no padding in the floor. I don't care if you had two tables, three tables, you still gonna you're gonna get hurt bad. So I'm sure that this was uh, well, it was known that it was Hardy who came up with the idea. So if if Tony Khan's on by no, we we, we you know I approve everything and I, if I don't like it, I'm not gonna. That's not true. I mean, you give too much to guys too much freedom, and that's why sometimes when you watch some of the matches, or even if it's Matt Hardy, whoever, there's a lot of botches because some some guys be doing stuff. They're not supposed to be doing. I think that's fair. Um, and we talk about holy shit bad. I mean, have you got any terrible moments you can think of this year? Oh, I think that Matt Hardy's one is the one. That's the only one that I can actually say it was horrible. They should have never done that. Uh, on to holy shit good. I mean, and this is something that I it took me time to remember. The final test for Cody before his AEW Revolution showdown with MGF was a steel cage match against Wardlow on the February 19th episode of Dynamite. And of course, uh, blooded and battered after the physical battle against the head heavy for MJF, Cody had created some separation with Rolling and looking to the skies, he decided to scale the cage. And when he reached the top, he delivered a breathtaking moonsault that wiped out his opponent and left himself with a broken toe. Now, seeing Cody go all the way up off that cage and off the top, it was the biggest holy shit moment that I can remember from this year. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I was like, the guy's up almost 20, 25 feet off the ring, 
and at the top of it, you got to give credit to Warlord for trying to catch him. Yeah. You know, you got a guy who weighs 200, probably 35, 40 pounds, doing a moonsault from the top of a cage, and you got to catch him so he don't get hurt. He still got hurt because he broke his toe. But you got to give credit to Warlord for that. Yes, that was the the the, the good holy shit. I mean. I mean, I, I, there was. I don't think anything else would have topped that this year. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I don't think anything else. I mean, we had the Sammy Guevara doing that that flip on the stage after cracking Matt Hardy's head with the chair and taking a, a thing like that. Um, but yeah, that Warlow match, yeah, uh, that definitely a, a holy shit good moment. <laughs> we move on to most improved. Who's the most improved AEW performer this year? Mm. Wow, let's see. Uh, I, you know what? I would say Orange Cassidy. You know, um, I mean, even though Orange Cassidy already had uh, matter of fact, no. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me know. How about John Silver? That guy is as sure as it is. That guy has improved his wrestling skills since I saw him live because I, I remember seeing him last year at a House of Glory show, and I remember seeing him. And compared to how he wrestles now, I guess it's because of the gimmick he has. He looks great. Now, I'll go with John Silver. Uh, you know what? John Silver impressed me every time I see him. The power that he's got mm-hmm. uh, is incredible. Orange Cassidy is another guy who has improved uh, a lot this year. But I think for me, and this is a bit of a weird one, it's, it's Hangman Adam Page. Mm. I, I, and the reason I think he's improved the most, because you know, seeing him first time around, and like I said, I wasn't... Uh, following Page's career, and I saw him against uh, Chris Jericho, I think, for the, become the first ever AEW world champion, and I thought, well, this is just a cowboy, we've seen that kind of gimmick before, but the kind of storyline that he's had with uh, Omega over the tag team titles, I, I truly believe Page is going to be one of the biggest, hottest baby faces there is. When you think that what he's gone through, the kind of losses, the crowd, I think, have got behind him in that way, so when he finally becomes, you know, the star and the champion, hopefully beating Omega, like we talked about, if the storylines make sense. I think the crowd will be so far behind him. And I think it's little nuances that he's doing as well. The kind of the character development uh, and what he's done this year, for me, I think Paige is kind of head and shoulders above most people now. I'm interested in kind of everything that he's doing. I think that's down to him as, as much as the storylines he's participating in. I think, listen, uh, you're right. Uh, probably because I, the reason I say uh, Paige, because I've been following Paige since Ring of Honor days. Um, and I know what he brings to the table. This guy's no joke. I've seen him wrestle in Ring of Honor. I saw him wrestle in um, pro, pro, uh, pro Wrestling Guerrilla. I've seen him wrestle in New Japan. So I know what he brings to the table. I think, um, as far as Paige is concerned, I think they, they're moving him slowly. I still think he's the future champion in AEW. And I think they're doing all this stuff that he's going through. I think he's going to be the one who's probably going to uh, dethrone Omega. But it's not going to happen anytime soon. Well, no, he's got to become... Like I said, that Thanos, the gauntlet thing, yeah. is is such a great idea. And then Omega and Paige, uh, you know, after he becomes like the dominant man, you know. And you can even have Paige saying, I should have gone for the head, you know. And, and yeah, then yeah. Carrying, it, <laughs> carrying it on in that way. Yeah. I think it makes sense, you know. Yeah, um, it does. Another interesting award we hand out is the WNR Award for Better Off. What superstar in AEW was better off last year? I mean, I'll go with this one first and foremost when I say Matt Hardy. Now, before anybody starts to, you know, say, well, Matt Hardy, 
Matt Hardy, of course, has had a tough year. We've already talked about the fall he had um, off the ladder with Sammy Guevara and a feud continuing. Now, my thing for Matt Hardy is just not clicked. Like I said, his debut with the COVID uh, and, and missing the fans in the arena, the kind of feuds that he's had since then not really clicking, the Guevara feud going on for too long. And personally, with the amount of cinematic matches that we've had this year, um, I don't think he's really added anything for the matches, you know, the ultimate deletion matches that he's had. I think he's better off this place last year and trying to go again fresh. I don't know what you think. Okay, so this is just an individual, not a tag team. It can be anything. Anybody better okay. off last uh, year. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. All right. I like this. I think Private Party was better off last year than this year. Because Private Party, another gr- another tag team that I saw first time last year at a House of Glory show, um, they were when they, when they won their first round match against the Young Bucks, they were on point and they like their matches were good. Now this year, I noticed that they're kind of slacking. They're not. I guess they. How do you say that? they're comfortable because now they're in AEW? Every time I see them wrestle, they don't look like they have improved at all. They they still wrestle the same way they were wrestling in the independence. Um, and it, actually, they have been slowing down as far as their wrestling skills. They, I think they were better off last year. Private Party has not improved at all as of this year. You know, they they could give you a great match, but they look. I think to me personally, what I've been seeing all year is they they're too relaxed. They're comfortable because they're in AEW, and they look like they don't they don't want to improve. And it's weird that they've been up with Matt Hardy as well. And it seems like both, you know what I mean? Like yeah. The, the yeah. group of guys have gone, well, you know, we're here now. Let's try to make the most of it. And I think, like I said, this time last year, they, they could have made a big impact. Any, um, coincidence, any coincidence that Matt Hardy and Private Party got a program <laughs> working together? Well, that tells you. Exactly. That's what I was saying. Better off last year. Yeah. Uh, this one can be uh, a little bit edgy. The award for most overrated in AEW. Mm, overrated. Uh, la, 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 la. I can't think of nobody right now who's overrated. Oh, shit. Well, this is my problem because I was thinking everybody in the AEW roster, you know, uh, are really good in-ring talents. And there's not anybody, you know, there's been an argument about Kenny Omega maybe being a little bit overrated because everybody thinks he's kind of the best wrestler in the world and maybe not delivering. I can't say that. The only one I'm going for, and this is a little bit of a weird one, Hero, or the former Rusev. Now, the only reason before everybody says why I'm saying he's overrated for is is because he came to AEW and, of course, you know, Kip Sabian and involved in that kind of feud. And people are saying, oh, future AEW world champion. But if you look at his kind of track record in WWE, yes, he delivered great matches uh, in great moments. But I just don't think you can keep going back to that. You need to create a kind of new character, a new way of what you're doing and kind of earn, you know, you're in a new place now, earn that kind of spot rather than saying, well, I faced John Cena at WrestleMania. I deserve this spot. And I think overrated wise, he needs to now go out and put in a few performances and people will go, right, that's Samuro who will be a future AEW world champion. Not that you'll get given to him. Uh, well, I'm going to defend Miro on this one. I'm sorry, but... <laughs> Uh, Miro, the, the, and, and I understand what you're saying, but Miro, I mean, they, they pretty much brought him in and they, you know, instead of pushing him as a monster heel, 
they took their time with him. You know, they put him on this best man gimmick. But it was like it was a little shot at WWE because of the, you know, the wedding thing last year, a year ago. And so they that's what they did. But Miro has the reason that I can't say Miro's overrated is because they haven't given him the spot, uh, an opportunity for him to show what he's made of. And now is uh, I think it was uh, the AEW of Dynamite Battle Royal. He showed in that match. Uh, what he's made of, and yeah. he's he's a monster. It's just a, it's the way AEW's booking him. I don't think he needs to be with Kip Sabian at all. But this is what I'm saying. I, I think people are going, you know, oh, he needs to be put uh, given the AEW World Championship. I think if Miro tomorrow was in a match against Kenny Omega for the AEW World Championship, you wait a minute, you're not actually at that moment. Yes, it's partly in booking, but it's also Rusev now having to. Uh, not consistent in, in just, you know, if he's happy where he is now, you know, that level of performances and every time going out there, it was such a difficult choice. I couldn't think of anybody else. Well, I'll say Jake Hager is overrated. Jake Hager, um, you know, they make him look like this monster dude, whatever, but they're not really doing nothing with him. You know, I mean, he's, he's more, he's playing a role of Chris Jericho's bodyguard. So Jake Hager is overrated to me. I mean, they're always talking about Bellator, uh, how he's an MMA fighter, and I, and I've been saying this since uh, he came in. He's the Brock Lesnar of AEW, and but they're not really using him. They're not. I think he's just overrated. Um, he when he wrestles, he just do that um that um Olympic style, uh, NCAA wrestling style. I mean, when he hits you with those forearm, you know he's not playing. But I, I think he's overrated to in my knowledge because I mean. I, I mean, I, when he first came in, I thought he was going to be at least, uh, you know, a uh, champion, either TNT champion, whatever. But he's just in the back doing nothing now. Well, as I say, it's really difficult to say because the AW roster, this is one thing, you know, everybody's trying to give as as good as they've got. You know, you yeah. can't really say no one's really, you know, phone lit in or, or anything else like that. And I think that is credit uh, to the AW roster. Uh, we move on now to move of the year. And this could be either, you know, uh, your, your standard wrestling move like your Judas effect or something that happened in a, in a match that uh, you weren't quite expecting. My move of the year happened from AEW All Out. And uh, we talk about um, Darby Allen. You mentioned this earlier. Allen was put in a body bag filled with thumbtacks during this match and was powerbombed oh. while zipped up in the body bag onto the stage by Brian Cage. Anything blind is crazy. And I think for me, uh, the amount of finishing moves we've got in AEW, I think this was one move that I looked at and thought, obviously, we had the holy shit moment uh, earlier. But I think to go blind in thumbtacks, it's just like, for me, it was the move of the year because it took my breath away. The move of the year for me was a tag team match. Uh, I don't know. I know the Young Bucks were involved. And Sammy Guevara jumped off the top rope and got super kicked so hard. They nearly broke his ankle. Um, I mean, he got hit. He got torn backwards. I mean, that was the move of the year for me. Um, I, let me see. The second one could be the Darby Allen grabbing the skateboard full of thumbtacks and hitting Ricky Starks in the back with it. Mm. Oh, God. That, that that was crazy. But I, I, you know what? I'm going to go with the um, – I'll say the, Rick, the Darby Allen Ricky Starks skateboard thumbtacks. Oh yeah, Jesus. Yes. 
<laughs> that hurts. <laughs> well, Darby, Darby involved in both there. And on to our next award, the one to watch in AEW. Now, for me personally, it's quite a few. You know, you've got MGF, Orange Cassidy. Uh, but I think for me, it is only one man. And that would be Darby Allen. What are your thoughts? Uh, Darby Allen. Mm. I say uh, Darby Allen got already the TNC belt. So he already shows you that he's a, he takes a lot of punishment. Um, the one to watch. I can say Lance Archer. Everybody's sleeping on Lance Archer. They're not pushing Lance Archer like I thought they were going to do. Everybody's sleeping on Lance Archer. Lance Archer is the guy that I think um, he's going to take it to another level um, next next year. I mean, he's already showing you in that six-man tag, the guy moves like a cruiserweight. I've been saying this since last year when he was in Japan. Guy's seven-footer, does walks in the, the damn ropes, okay? He tight ropes on the, on the on the ropes, and and he flies over the top rope like he's a cruiserweight. So I'll say Lance Archer, even though you could say Darby Allen, but Darby Allen already is showing you that he's championship material. I mean, even when they decided to do the TNT tournament, I to me I wanted Darby to win. You know what I'm saying? Even when they said the second secondary uh, championship, I said Darby should win it. I mean, and pretty much. I say, uh, I just say Lance Archer. I think Lance Archer, if they know how to push him and book him like they're supposed to, I think he's going to be big time. He's going to be, he's the one to watch for next year. Well, I think the thing for Darby Allen is is kind of one to watch. It's an it, it's a cop out in a way because of how successful he's going to be. But I think when you you know you put a guaranteed bet down on who is going to be you know future AEW World Champion, who will be in a better position last year, it's going to be Darby Allen. I think there's no doubt that he's going to be a guy that they're going to protect and is going to be known as kind of one of the faces of AEW. And I think the Sting thing is only going to help him out even more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he has to put a little bit more weight, more muscle in his body. That guy, you can't be a world champion being that skinny. I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, you get flung around. I mean, I thought when Brian Cage threw him against the, the, the damn ladder, I thought he got, I said, did he break his ribs? Because he landed ribs uh, like on the side of the ladder and his whole rib cage got hit that that metal part i'm like poof you know but darby allen i mean like i said darby allen is the future in AEW, but he has to put a little more muscle yeah i think i think we mentioned it before as well like i said and i think this is something he's gonna have to look at and if he wants to be around you know and actually leave a legacy it's something that he's gonna have to work on as well especially with kind of all the hide spots anyway on to the most underrated wrestler in Mm-mm-mm-mm. underrated wrestler I think Hangman Page. I think he don't get enough credit for what he does. Hangman Page is the guy who I think that should. I mean, it's been over a year or over over a year since he got a title shot for the uh, AEW when they when he faced Jericho all out last year. But you know, even though he was tag team champion, I still think he should be pushed higher. He brings a lot to the to, to the table. He's, to me, that's he's underrated. I think for me, it's a guy who I had huge expectations for when he was in WWE. And, and maybe it was factually due to the gimmick. And then when he moved to AEW and he made a huge shock of becoming the chairman of the place with uh, oh, the chair shop with Cody talk- Rhodes. Yes. 
I feel Sean Spears is a guy who is criminally underrated. This is a guy who I think is good on a promo, who is a solid and maybe even really good in-ring worker. And I, and I don't know why, but AEW have kind of, he's gone from being a kind of low mid-carder in WWE to a kind of low mid-carder in AEW. And he's probably had more dark matches than he has dynamite. And I think it's the character he maybe needs to work on. But I think there's so much potential there, and I think he's criminally underrated. Yeah, uh, I think honestly, Sean Spears, I, I, I gotta agree with you on that. I think they, st- I feel like they're still punishing him for what he did with the chair. Uh, but uh, as Cody Rose said it, that it wasn't his fault, and uh, because the night that he cracked Cody's head, they said John Moxley and Tony Khan got on his case about that. And I feel like they're still punishing him for that. I think he should. I mean, and I think me and you spoke about this when we talked about the, the you know, they were teasing of a four horsemen together, being together. I, and being that he's one of Tully Blanche's guys, I say, well, you can't make a four horseman and include Sean Spears there because you're making him look like a loser most of the yeah, time, yeah. you know? So, and then, you know, and they gave him the glove, the same glove that Barry Windham used to uh, wear back in the days. And yeah, you know what? You're right. He's underrated. I think he brings a lot. He's a good, great wrestler. Um, you know, and I think that they, uh, I, I don't know. I feel like they're probably still punishing him for that. I don't know. Well, let's hope he can, you know, sort it and he, he comes up with a catch himself that can just catch fire and they've got no choice but to kind of use him yeah. as well. Uh, right. Only uh, a few left now for the WNL Awards. Our next one is going to be entrance of the year. Okay, um, you got, you got, I want to hear who's your entrance of the year. Well, I, I, have, I haven't got a particular entrance. It's just one wrestler. Because I think this one wrestler has the best entrances in AEW. Good. And I'm not saying it's just because he's a part of the company. But I think Cody Rhodes, or, <laughs> as he's known now, every time Cody comes out, they spend the budget for the month. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree. I like Cody's entrance, um, especially when he enters... With that, with that, I don't know if they claim this from the Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet. I, I still haven't found it as in the in the on Google, or whatever. But um, I love his entrance. I mean, especially when it's a it's a, uh, a pay per view, or and and they just put all the the entry, the fire. I love his entrance. I think it's one of the best entrance in AEW. And I could say let me see who else. Uh, I like the Lucha Bros entrance also. Uh, Lucha Bros got a nice little entrance, but Cody to me is the top entrance for for the AEW right now. I think without a doubt. All right, so now we're on to the kind of bigger wars as it was on the WNR, and the next one is a huge one for AEW: Tag Team of the Year. I got FTR. FTR is Tag Team of the Year to me. Because, I mean, they came in. They came in. Um, they wrestled everybody. They showed that old school mentality. And you got you understand, I like that old school mentality. So um, they, they to me, they're the tag team of the year as far as um, even though Kenny Omega, um, Kenny Omega and um, Hangman Page, they did their thing. But FTR is to me is the tag team of the year. I think when you look at the tag teams on show in AEW, that's when they're kind of really showing off. When you talk about um, Paige and Omega early on in the year, and of course the, what the Young Bucks has done, Private Party, 
but there's so many kind of to mention as well you know butcher and a blade and uh, uh we talked about earlier as well death triangle you know uh, and to stand out above that group uh it's good very special team and i think this has been the year of ftr like you said i think since they've come to AEW, they have shown that they are the best tag team on the planet and the young bucks you know young bucks are right up there and of course it's different styles but their kind of confidence that ftr has shown uh to come on to take the titles to to build the division up as it was and then to lose against the young bucks the way they did i don't think there's any argument that the ftr are the tag team of the year yeah I mean, I mean, you still got a lot of young teams in there. You got TH2. You got uh, now you got the top flight as a new tag team, Acclaim. You know, those guys a year from now may be uh, running for the tag team of the year. But FTR is bar none. I mean, they 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 bring in that old school mentality again with the holding the tag robes, working on one body part. They're not flying all over the place like most of these tag teams do. I think uh, close, uh, like I said, if it wasn't because Hangman Page and Kenny Omega broke up, I think they're the second one. But let's not forget, Best Friend was another tag team that during the pandemic were mostly undefeated. I heard they they wrestled almost four or five times within the 24-hour period when they were taping. Uh, Best Friend don't get enough credit uh, as far as a, a good tag team in AEW. But we'll see. FTR, again, FTR is, you know, they they bring that old school and, and they, if you say tag team, you think of FTR. Yeah, I think without a doubt. All right, the next two uh, WNR awards are kind of on a similar line. We've got rival of the year and storyline of the year. I have got two separate choices. My storyline of the year is Mox versus Omega because um, by beating him, Omega ended Moxley's nine-month reign and become the third wrestler to hold the AEW world title. But if you look at what Paige had to go through throughout the whole year, and especially after last year, as we talked about, his loss to Moxley, mm-hmm. and bringing and making his way through uh, with Paige, and you kind of get the number one contendership, beating his um, former tag team partner, and then you see the, the, the noticeable levels of cockiness, and you can see, like we talked about, the cleaner character coming back into it, and then turning into, like we said, the, the, the relationship with Callis by beating Moxie for the world title. I think for me, that storyline, even though it started last year's storyline for me, because Omega being out on top makes sense of kind of long-term planning in a way. Yeah, it's true because uh, at first, before that whole storyline with Omega and Moxley, at first I, I said the Eddie Kingston Moxley storyline was pretty good because they brought the whole history of how they, you know, they met and where they were at, uh, you know, combat his own wrestling or that. But once Omega won the tournament against Page, now it was Moxley against Page. I'm like, wow, they doing they coming around from one year ago, and now they're gonna wrestle for the world title. And that made I think that top the Moxley and Eddie Kingston storyline because I mean you can't ask for anything better. Now you you had a year ago a lights out match. The type of style that Eddie can uh, not Eddie Kingston, I'm sorry. John Moxley likes, you know, the bar wires, all crazy stuff. And now he had a phase Omega in a regular match, which means he can't use no bar wire, you can't use chairs, none of that stuff. So that's what made the storyline of the year because it came around in full circle. A year later, they went from having a, a, a street fight, lights out, whatever it was, on non sanctioned match to now a world title match. 
with you know with a squad you know disqualification you get disqualified you use the chair anything any weapons but the ending of that was that match was great exactly it ticked all the boxes uh i think the rivalry from the year well for my choice and i know you're not going to agree with it is orange cassidy versus jericho Right. And because only because Jericho said it wasn't a feud, it wasn't an angle, it wasn't a storyline, it was an experiment. Can we get Orange Cassidy to the next level and make him a main event draw in AEW? Um, it's summer of Orange, as it was for 14 weeks. Uh, Cassidy getting two defining victories over Jericho, uh, of course, in a Mosa match. And I mean, even though Jericho doesn't think this is a rivalry, um, it's, and it's my experiment of the year because I think... Uh, no other wrestler has been helped in a rivalry than Orange Cassidy has by coming out of the winning end of it. Well, I'm going to disagree on that one. I'm going with Inner Circle versus the Elite. Um, because, remember, they were having um, feuds with each other, either with singles match, tag team matches, whatever. And then it led off to, which, you know, stopped the feud completely, was the uh, Spring Stampede match between uh, the Elite versus the Inner Circle. And, uh, I mean, I... The with the like I said the rivalry of the year with uh, uh, Orange Cassidy and Jericho I didn't take it as a rivalry because I knew there was gonna be three matches and this was more of trying to get Orange Cassidy out there and I figured well you know what you really don't need to put him out there because he already had that great match with Pac that was my view on it so to me I think the inner circle and the elite was uh, a better rivalry because. Uh, even Matt Hardy was involved, and they even broke his uh, his his uh, his droid and all that stuff. And it it, it was great. It was to me. Remember, and there was another part where they took uh, Nick Jackson and then they drove the damn gear on top of his head. So yeah. you know, um, so I figured also, like that was a better one. I was thinking about getting chased by the golf buggy as well. You know, like that was such a great moment uh, between the two teams. Uh, right, so we move on next, and it is Woman of the Year. What Women Wrestler? I think for AEW this year, it's pretty easy. Uh, who is your choice for Women Wrestler of the Year? Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa, uh, and I say Thunder Rosa for the simple fact, the women's division has been in shambles since day one. Okay? You had Nyla Rose as a champion. She, uh, they weren't pushing her as hard as they were supposed to to make the women's title legit and whatnot. Uh, but once Thunder Rosa came in in September, now all of a sudden you see all these good matches where Thunder Rosa against Serena Thieves, you got Thunder Rosa against Sheeta, uh, Thunder Rosa against, uh, and I think it was a tag team between Sheeta and Thunder Rosa against Eva Lee's and Diamante, which, uh, Eva Lee's and the, uh, Thunder Rosa's actually hit each other for real. Um, so I think Thunder Rosa, because even though he's not, she's not literally signed with AEW, but just her presence alone coming in um, and try to make the division better and competitive, I have to go with Thunder Rosa. Do you know what? Thunder Rosa was going to be my choice. And I thought, no, I have to pick someone in AEW. And I think that's why I'm going to go Hikaru Shida. Just because uh, in a division that's not been the strongest, she's been a focal point. And I think she's really delivered this year with everything that she's had to do. I hope they can build on the women's division next year. But I think Shida this year uh, has been my number one woman. Yeah, I think, you know, and the reason, and it's right, because Shida, I mean, 
you know, she she has dominated, you know, um, but I think once Thunder Rosa came in, I think um, it was up to now. It's like telling the rest of the division. Now you got to go to the next level. Yeah, I, and I completely agree with that. And hopefully next year, like I said, uh, they can really, really kind of make it so exciting in AEW if they if they pick the right talent to help out, like you said, the Sheets out and to get the Thunder Rosa in as well. Uh, up next, the Man of the Year, the Male Wrestler of the Year. Now, a couple of nominees. Uh, Jericho at 50, you know, impressing the way he does is incredible. Moxley, maybe he's been a little bit stale this year in, in certain ways, but I think his main event matches is, is have been uh, really great. Of course, uh, Hangman Adam Page uh, has been a joy to watch. And Kenny Omega, uh, I've got to say, my male wrestler year is none other than Kenny Omega. Oh, mm, that's a tough choice. I will go with John Moxley for the simple fact that um, he was put in in matches where he, they didn't really build up to it, but he had to go in there. Like he had a great match with Brody Lee, a guy who was bigger than him. He had another match with Jake Hager, another guy taller than him. Lance Archer, another guy taller than him. Uh, and I think though, and the craziest match he had was with, with Eddie Kingston because, you know, they went from regular match to then bar wire match. Um, I will go with Moxley for the simple fact that Kenny Omega was stuck most of the time in tag team, you know. Um, and yes, he will go and have his one-on-one matches and, and whatnot. But John Moxley had a tougher role this year because he was put in the wrestling ring with guys way taller than him, probably more body weight than him, and he succeeded. And, you know, I mean, he took a lot of punishment, you know, especially that Jake Hager match he had, which, uh, I mean, I don't know why Hager got a title match when he was only 2-0. and But anyway, they needed to put something on TV, I guess. But, you know, Hager, yeah, uh, Moxley, I think he – I give him the wrestler of the year for the fact that he had – the toughest schedule in singles competition because of the uh, competition he had. Then, of course, you know, when he met to, he, he bumped into Omega, Omega ended up beating him. But, you know, um, the thing is, I, I think he he put in better matches. Uh, he got better competition as far as singles matches. Well, the next three awards are the three biggest awards that we do. We have got coming up pay-per-view of the uh, year. We have got overall wrestler and we have got match of the year. Now, of course, overall and woman or tag team. But what we're going to do now is the pay-per-view of the year. For me, it is double or nothing. May 23rd, uh, 2020 at the uh, Daly's Place in Jacksonville. The main event was the Stadium Stampede match that we've talked about. We had Moxie versus Lee for the AEW World Championship, Sheeda versus Rosa for the women's title, Cody versus Arch for the TNT title, and they can see that ladder match where, of course, Brian Cage killed Darby Allin. Um, <laughs> what a show that was. Really, really enjoyable, especially with all the problems that they had with COVID at the time. Um, what is your pay-per-view of the year? The pay-per-view of the year for me was Revolution. Uh, the fact that Moxley won the world title that year, I mean that uh, that pay per view. Then uh, the the match between Kenny Omega and Page versus the Young Bucks was a good match. I don't remember the rest of the card, but I, you know um, it was a good. To me, it was one of the best pay per view of the year. I mean, second comes behind it, uh, double or nothing, you know. Um, and um, but I, I say revolution. The fact that Moxley 
overcame um, all the odds to win the world title. And, I mean, he spilled blood in that match. And then that Omega and Paige against the Young Bucks match. That was a great match. So, that's the, those are the two matches that stand out for me for Revolution. They made it that good. Well, you had Pac and Cassidy as well, which yes, we've spoken yes, about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, MJF versus Cody, um, Allen versus Guevara, Hager versus Rhodes. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, apart from the first pay-per-view that we did together, I think AEW pay-per-views have been pretty solid this year, haven't they? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yes, yeah. I mean, I think when it comes to All Out, like I said, I think it just... Uh, just the... Uh, first of all, the... The environment they were in, as far because it was very humid, uh, and a lot of the wrestlers, like I said, Matt Seidel fell from the top rope because the the, the ropes were slippery. Um, the Sammy Guevara situation, that's where everything just went down, and the damn mimosa match that should have never happened. <laughs> uh, but, you know, other than that, I mean, as, as I say, it was a little bump in the road. They made it up on full gear. I mean, and they got, listen, I don't really want to think what they're going to have for Revolution um, coming up on in in February, I think it is. And don't be surprised, you know, the, just the name on it called Revolution, you'll have Impact wrestlers versus AEW wrestlers. Wow. You're gonna, you could you have Good Brothers versus Young Bucks. You might have Rich Swan against Kenny Omega. I mean, it's sad that we won't be able to see FCR versus The North since Ethan Page is leaving, to, uh, is leaving uh, TNA. Or impact, uh, the other guy, Josh Alexander, is still stuck in there. So, but you never know. But it, it's things to look forward to. Without a doubt, yeah. right? So we've got two awards left, and our penultimate award is wrestler of the year. For me, it's a man who, whether it be in tag team action or singles action, has always delivered. He was my male wrestler of the year. He's my overall wrestler of the year. It's Kenny Omega, be it Adam Page against uh, the Young Bucks or against uh, any other team. And then moving on to singles action, that absolute banger we had with Page to become number contender. And then that mini classic against Moxley at winter is coming for me. He gets the title. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say yeah, Kenny Omega. Because Omega, even though, like I said, even though I gave Man of the Year to Moxley, but um, Omega always delivered. He never disappoints you. Um, even when he had a match versus Five from Dark Order, before he was called Dark Order, uh, Five from Dark Order, he gave a good match with that young, with that youngster. I mean, I was like, why is he giving, why is this youngster giving Omega a hard time? But Omega put him over. He put himself over, put the guy over. He always delivers. I mean, it, 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 listen, it's going to be scary right now because you got the old Omega, the guy who wrestled in New Japan. What people haven't seen yet, they, oh, my God, it's going to be crazy. You know? Well, that is going to be mental. Like I said, we cannot wait for 2021. But we have a look now. And our final award for the WNR, the sixth annual WNR Awards, is Match of the Year. Now, mm. just a couple of contenders. Uh, Kingston versus Moxley, which you spoke about the Hardcore War. Cassidy versus Pack, Page versus Omega, Santana and Ortiz versus Best Friends in a backlot brawl on Dynamite as well was one of the mm-hmm. most I think fun matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my choice uh, has got to be none other than um, FTR versus the Young Bucks because they delivered a love letter to tag team wrestling in their long-awaited dream match that lived up 
to all the hype. I mean, they broke out the finishes of the Hart Foundation, Steiner Brothers, NXT's DIY. They paid homage to the Dudley Boys and the Hardys. Also, Matt had to deal with an injury there, and it was about the EFTR taking the risk at the end and the Young Bucks getting the victory. Um, for me, it's my match of the year. What are your thoughts on that, and what is your pick? Oh, so many of them. I will have to go with the Moxley versus Omega match, which is coming. That was a good match. I mean, it was most of it was outside, whatever, but the ending, the story itself, what you know, what the story was telling you, it, it was just, it was great. It was great. I mean, and the ending, the way it ended, it just, I'll go with Omega versus Moxley, which is coming. Well, there you go. That is the WNR Wars, the sixth annual WNRs. Um, what are your thoughts on that after giving them out this year? I think we did pretty well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's going to be interesting because now uh, I probably want to pay more attention to some of the matches and be like, okay, who's going to get the WNR award for 2021? <laughs> so, you know, and, you know, it's been fun, though. It's, it's, it's good because, you know what, I, I enjoy this because, you know, we may agree with some of the stuff and we may disagree, but it's fun because I know where your head is at and you know where my head is at. But overall, we could, we, we could agree that AEW right now, uh, their future looks so, so bright. And especially with this Kenny Omega, I think, Infinity Gauntlet style, that if that's the story that's going to go, uh, we're going to have to be, you have to be giving more than 25 um, awards next year. <laughs> without a doubt and of course you will be joining us for the next AEW pay-per-view and oh, yes. maybe even uh, popping in next month if there's a little bit of a wait just to catch up on the AEW product yes yes no, no problem man um, I mean uh, if if the way I'm thinking the revolution is going to be because of the title I'm, I'm just going like I'm thinking like a booker here because of the title revolution there could be some type uh, uh, some type of little mini war against Impact, against AEW wrestling. Because like I said last night, Omega was talking to Carl uh, Anderson in his little bus that he was in. So do not be surprised if you see the Good Brothers uh, show up um, in AEW. may not be happening this year. It may be happening maybe January or February before Revolution because Luke Gallows is hurt. But don't be surprised if something happens with Omega and he gets challenged by somebody and he and here comes the big brother the brothers come in and beat up this guy and now you got the good brothers challenging the young bucks in a title versus title match well i think you know as we say i think that is a perfect way to end there is so much potential for aw in 2021 and myself wnrjr will be bringing it to you all throughout the year on the WNR. We hope you everybody enjoyed the sixth annual WNR Awards. Of course, we'll have the WWE one and the NXT ones later on in the month. Our follower is TJ Andrews, and 93. And that is it. We're across all social media, Twitter, at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNRJR. Uh, do you want to just plug your stuff on Twitter and elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. Um, you guys can find me at the Twitter, the Chokeslam Wrestling Report, at Ultimate um, One Slash One. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on my YouTube channel called The Choke Slam Wrestling Report. You can find my audio podcast on Apple, Spotify, any audio podcast that you guys like to listen to your show. So, you know, um, 
just stay alert because I'm still going to come to this show, WNR 300, and talk to my man here, and we're going to give you all the information you guys need. And, you know, it's fun, man. It's fun. I love coming in here, making me feel so comfortable, and, you know, I could call you a, a friend for life. Without a doubt. And like I said, hands across the nation as well. It just yes. shows you in 2020, you know, things needed to change and they've changed for the better. And of course, you can contact the Dublin on Facebook and Instagram. Send us an email at DublinOnPodcast at gmail.com or on YouTube as well, where the podcast got the same time as do other places like SoundCloud on your phone, of course, Stitcher and iTunes. Where you can download, subscribe, yes. rate, and review there. So that is it. Like I said, I've had the pleasure to be the ultimate one our next episode is jacksy scarlet joining us for wtlc but until then i have been jay's violence and as always i was joined by the ultimate one from the choke slam wrestling report thanks for listening everybody and bye bye